Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome in to episode 53 of Kayfabe Council, show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is the goodest of good brothers, TF Joker. Joker, what's crack, man? What's going on? Oh, you know, just having a wee bit of a wee bit of bounce on a Saturday. I just watched a premium live event, you know, had some bounce, and it's not stupid o'clock in the morning. Premiumly live event, not just a regular main event, but a premium. Mm. A little extra special. Well, that's well, that that's what you know. WWE are forcing people to call their pay per views. Hey. I mean, it's exactly the same thing, but you know, we are coming off hot off the heels of just watching WWE Night of Champions. Got to say, a reasonable hour for Joker and myself, especially for Joker. It's not one o'clock in the morning when it starts, so. Oh. Yeah, literally just finished watching it, and interesting pay-per-view, or premium live event, shall we say. Yeah, I mean, I remember us having the bright idea to stay up and watch one of the one of the previous ones, and I didn't get to sleep until like 6 or 7 in the morning, because we watched that, then we had everything else and record, and, you know, cool. But at least, you know, now it's just coming up to 10 p.m., so I'm, you know, just on the verge of old man needing to sleep so it's okay yeah it's not so bad it's a little early in the day obviously for us so with the pay-per-view starting at 1 p.m eastern 10 p.m pacific for the states not bad it's a first portion of a hot weekend if you're watching this early on at the night of champions and then the next day on premiere day as we are recording on a saturday we will have Double or nothing, and I believe an NXT show. So lots of wrestling this weekend. So we're covering here the night of champions for WWE. We got a chance to, during our live stream earlier in the week, talk about double or nothing. So trying to cover best of both worlds. Hopefully you enjoyed night of champions as we'll get into this show here and hopefully you will enjoy all of the wrestling including some nxt as well as some aew so remember to pace yourself lots going on I'm sure we'll get to talk and chat a lot about this particular show so appreciate everybody coming along with us on this journey lots of wrestling is never a bad thing thank you so much i mean unless it's a seven hour show that has 25 matches or something like this here but yeah that's the only drawback to having too much wrestling, PT. Sometimes having too much can be not a good thing or a bad thing, Joker. Is that is that the case? Yeah, yeah. Some, sometimes it can be, you know, whenever you're waiting until like the 11th hour to add about 15 matches to a pay-per-view, and then it's just obscenely long. There's still time. Early days of AEW. <laughs> Show's not live, so there's still time to add tons more matches. I'm just- I will not be surprised if I wake up in the morning to just any screenshot saying, and this match has been added double or nothing tonight. I'm like, oh, okay. Cool. Don't know why, but you know, there it is. Lots going on. What we'll get into Night of Champions for this particular episode. All right, as a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash Council and in audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at the fallout from WWE Night of Champions. 
So, coming up first. Night of Champions. Interesting set of matches. The first one we'll get into here starting off the show. Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles. The tournament final for the inaugural World Heavyweight Championship. Seth coming out with a leopard print jacket. Showing up and showing out. I gotta say, it, I in my brain it reminded me of the Booker T, TNA, a Black Snow gimmick. So I popped huge for that. That was the only thing in my brain. Gotta love it here. But this is, of course, another smooth match between Seth and AJ. It was a nice homage. Hit some of the greatest hits from both men. AJ hitting that backflip inverted DDT, which he was famous for in TNA, of course. Coming out of that corner on AJ. And, of course, Seth hitting that rewind kick into some buckle bombs. So nice little touches there. Another notable spot, the inverted superplex into an inverted DDT from Rollins. Another inside-out suplex on Rollins on the apron from AJ. And AJ using his signature slash finisher to steal a move from Seth hitting the pedigree, but only gets a two count. But we see the finish of the match. AJ goes for a phenomenal forearm. Seth counters with a super kick. Seth attempts a stomp, but collapses. Seth hits a pedigree, a stomp, and gets the pinfall as we see Seth Rollins wins and is the inaugural WWE World Heavyweight Champion in 2040. Joker, my man, thoughts on the match? It was a good match. It was a, it was a, good, um, it was a good match that everyone expected. Uh, between these two individuals, because like you know, it, it's it's one, it's Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles. How are you going to go terribly wrong with that? Uh, some cool moves, like you you'd uh, you'd said. Um, I think the only real surprise for a lot of people was the position of this match on the card being the very first match on the card. Um, ha there having been some outcry as to it being on first taking away from the title. It only takes away from the title if you let it, in my opinion, um, because we gave it all the pomp and circumstance that we could, owing the fact that Roman Reigns is on this card. And it's called Night of Champions. So, you know, he will always have to be at the very end of this, uh, at the very end of this card. So, I liked it. There was some nice stressful spots in there. Like, um, you know, the buckle bombs and stuff. We always love to see uh, the buckle bombs because they're a bit brutal. Um, and uh, just anything onto the hardest part of the ring, you know, as, it's, as it has been known to be called. I'm pretty sure it's, that's what it is. You know, that, that ring apron is the hardest part of the ring. Scientifically proven, I believe, after many tests. Um, and just that finish was nice. Just the, the selling of the knee. Um, into the stomp. Uh, it was just good all round fun, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, there's never a bad time when you can have a Seth Rollins or an AJ Styles, of course. Based off a couple of times, not a ton, so we don't get overindulged. But again, very nice. And once again, that notion of the match going on first, quite interesting. I think it's one of those where the 
pay-per-view was billed as triple main event. It was this particular match, the Cody Brock, and then the tag team match, I believe, was slated to be the three matches. So it was one of those where if they had those three matches back to back to back, maybe you get a little bit of winded or a little bit kind of too much. So they sort of separated with having this one away from those other two. But be that as it may, strong, strong showing by each man. Thought it was a really solid match as well. We've seen world championship matches, especially in the era of having two physical belts, of the championship matches being separated. So it's not uncommon. I remember WrestleMania 35 with the Universal Championship, Brock and Seth going on the very first match. So it's Mm -hmm. not uncommon for that to have happened. It's happened a number of times where a world championship has gone on first. Be that as it may, I think it actually helped to have that match sort of semi-isolated from those other two matches, as we'll get into later, because there was a lot of emotion and kind of story behind those matches. So I'm okay with it. Once again, strong showing from these guys, and they sort of never disappoint. And I'm good with having Seth be the inaugural champion. Yeah. Um. To your point, like this this card has been constructed pretty well. I'd say it's. All in all, it's probably about an 8 out of 10 on how well it's constructed. Um, Because, like you said, if we did have this match, and then Brock Lesnar versus Cody, and then the tag team, yeah, that's... What's that? That's uh, 45. That's about almost an hour's worth of uh, full-on... full-on story, full-on wrestling. People are going to kind of maybe tune out of a little bit. Um, you need your rallies. You need you need that little bit of a break, the space, uh, for and you need to let things breathe. You can't you can't just have oh Seth is the champion. Here's Cody and Brock. Oh, you know this happened in that match, and here's the here's the tag team match. By the way, um, because the part of the part of the matches that people want to kind of maybe skip if they can are the entrances. But on such big PLEs, the entrances have almost become required reading if you want to call it that you kind of have to watch them because some of them are nice long pomp and circumstance some of them are iconic uh and just some of them are absolutely uh heartwarming to see like some of the ones that we've seen tonight uh, i'm not a fan of calling things triple main events um i'm barely a fan of calling something a double main event it's called a main event for a reason the main event you can't have two of that because one of them is the main event the other one is just there because there's bigger guys in that one so triple main event is even more tenuous and i didn't like that but you know i actually kind of forgot that they even build it as a triple main event until you reminded me there um there's an awful lot of good matches on this card and this was the match to set the bar and the tone as we went on. Reminds me of the lads from OSW Review, double or triple main event, aka no main event. Exactly. When you're trying to shove so much, uh, so many things into a show or the end, the proverbial five pound bag, 10 pounds of uh, crap in a five pound bag. But mm-hmm. be that as it may, with this one starting off hot, started the show off hot, on a strong note, sort of setting the tone. So 
Some folks might argue that they were a little peeved or upset that this match started the show, but honestly, hot start, solid match. Like you had mentioned, let it breathe away from those sort of other matches. So, yeah. Hopefully, Seth can show up and show out with this belt and with the challenges going forward and really put his stamp of approval and let folks really enjoy and, and leave this mark for the World Heavyweight Championship compared and alongside the WWE Championship and the Universal Championship held by Roman. So we'll see hopefully what good comes of this championship and Seth Rollins as the title holder. It's going to be good to see and have an actual fighting champion. Like we said uh, earlier on, whenever we were watching it, the, the design of the belt is growing on me. And the fact that we get to continually see that belt, then just you know, going to become more accustomed to that belt. And I like the idea of having a champion again. Uh, and I'm just super stoked that that's, that's the, the route that we're going. Agreed for sure. So let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter and Scram. Let us know what your thoughts were on Seth Rollins beating AJ Styles to become the inaugural World Heavyweight Champion. All right, next matchup here, Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. I do like the nod of Trish with a throwback look with her gear, with the black and sort of reddish or uh, pink stripe down the side, and Becky coming out with a sort of Kill Bill-esque sort of racing suit, yellow and black was very nice, sort of diametrically opposed color schemes. So you can see kind of them also being rivals, but then rivals with their gear. Becky suckering Trish in at the start and then hitting the right hand was a very nice touch. That was interesting to start off there. But I gotta say, for a first time match, they went with a stiff looking match here and to play up their rivalry, excuse me. Stiff looking punches, kicks, chops, also uh, with Trish pulling on Becky's face, I thought was really kind of set the tone. Trish uh, head scissors Becky into the ring post on the outside was one of the more brutal shots, I thought, up in this matchup. We get a chick kick for a two on Becky. But also, Becky gets Trish in the disarm her, but Trish gets out of it by pulling Becky's hair. I thought, again, cemented the horrendous nature of the rivalry and kind of them going for broke with it. But the finish of the match sees Becky hits a manhandle slam. Close to the ropes, Trish gets her foot on the rope, rolls out to the outside, and Zoe Stark comes out from underneath the ring, hits Becky with the Z360, and then Trish hits the Stratus faction for the pin in Trish Stratus winning the match in 1450. Joker, your thoughts on the match? I mean, the, the, the match was pretty, pretty stiff looking. I liked it. Uh, Becky's always one of those that kind of uh, embodies uh, wanting it to look as stiff as possible, I feel. Um, she always goes for that style um, for shock factor, and I, I like it. It's just part of, it's part of what I like about Becky, and I, you know, I'm not really the biggest fan of the man character, um, but that is definitely fun. Uh, I, I thought that the the match itself was fine. I was never a big Trish Stratus fan. 
I was more the Lita fan, but you know, it was a case of I kind of just wanted to see Becky beat the tar out of Trish Stratus. It's one of the moments where I didn't really resonate with the heel uh, very much. The the Zoe Stark thing though is is really where I became interested in the match because I was like kind of just checked out really. Um. Well, yeah. Why? Huh. I I, I was kind of like fun. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's happened. We're pairing off Zoe Starks with uh with Trish Stratus. I think that's great. I think that's you know the more we can get um. Zoe Stark's experience sitting under that learning tree of Trish Stratus. Like Trish has been around the business for a long time, very experienced and has a lot of wealth and knowledge. Uh, and I think that if we're going to do this two person um, initial stable, then who better? Uh, especially because the last couple of weeks, Zoe Starks has felt a little bit awkward in her backstage segments, trying to pick fights with people. I haven't really thought that that's worth her being called up. Uh, after the um, after the, the the draft, so I was like, "Well, what are we doing? We're super spinning our wheels here." So, really, my only next question is, who do we see uh, maybe teaming up with uh, Becky? Uh, is it a returning leader? Is it someone new? Um, just to kind of counteract this, and then we continue the feud from here. It was uh, definitely a fun match, and um, hopefully. We won't stay too long with this feud, though. I'm not 100% sure how much more it has in the legs. The fair play. Very hard-fought matchup between these two women here. The interesting inclusion of Zoe Stark, obviously coming up from NXT. A younger talent is never a bad thing to be paired up with a veteran, so it should be intriguing if this is a one-off that maybe spurns into a Zoe trying to have a rivalry of sorts with Becky, or this is a Zoe kind of pairing and sitting under the learning tree, much like you said, with a Trish. So I'd be curious to kind of see where this goes. I think it would be good for Zoe for sure, much like you said. And I like the notion of if it's going to be a sort of pair, does Becky, like you said, go return with Lita? Perhaps with that revenge on Trish and that partnership, do we think? Do we maybe go with someone another direction, another young lady on Raw she can kind of pair up with? So be curious to kind of go and see where this goes. But we also, at the end, we see Becky left with a bloody nose, which may have indeed happened on the Zoe Stark Z360 or perhaps the Stratisfaction. But either way, Becky showing the wounds of war. So you can sure as heck all think to see that Becky wants some revenge, possibly as early as this coming Monday Night Raw. So we'll see how that plays out. A bloody nose is how the man was born. A bloody nose is how the man will be reborn in fire. And uh, she shall spit brimstone and woe betide her enemies as uh, as Becky will uh, cut them down by herself if she has to. Excellent, excellent reference there. Of course, this whole man thing, her sparked with the turning on Charlotte during the SummerSlam and then, of course, cementing that with the, the shot of Becky in the crowd with that nose. So excellent, excellent reference. 
But that nature of the shenanigan finish, most likely we'll see this feud continue. So if we can get a little Zoe Stark getting some experience in there, I think it would be good for her for sure. All right, so those were our thoughts on Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus with Trish winning the match up here. Let us know down in the comments section below on YouTube. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what your thoughts are on Trish beating Becky Lynch. All right, next matchup here, Gunther taking on Mustafa Ali for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. Kind of a standard fair, playing up the big man versus the agile, smaller competitor. Naturally, Gunther with some chops, big boots and sleeper hold, really controlling Ali. But Ali coming back with some kicks to the legs and quick shots, giving Gunther him just a run for his money. And I did have note here, Gunther giving Ali quite a bit of offense, so it wasn't a squash match sort of in a visual aspect. We had Gunther throw Ali into the ring post on the outside. Once again, second match in a row looked very brutal, and that sound of Ali bouncing off the ring post sounded disgusting. But we have Ali showing some strength with a sit-out powerbomb and then immediately into a 450 splash, but only gets a two because, of course... But the finish sees Ali roll out of a Phoenix Splash. Gunther hits a shotgun drop kick to Ali in the corner. Powerbomb on Mustafa Ali. And Gunther retains the Intercontinental Championship in 8 minutes and 35 seconds. Joker, thoughts on the matchup? It wasn't the squash, but there was only one match that's shorter than this one on the entire card, which is hard to believe. Eight minutes thirty-five. You'd think that like that is the shortest one, and it is a bit of a squash. But Mustafa Ali was given a lot of offense, and and he did really well with it. He was very over with the crowd. Um, there was definitely no piped-in booze uh, given to uh, given to anybody this time who is a hundred percent over in other places. Um, you know, wasn't required. Boo.wav was not loaded. Um. But everybody was just kind of behind Ali here. And it was uh, absolutely amazing to see him hit the, the, the Seth Rollins, you know, splash rollout uh, sort, of, uh, sort of ability that's kind of come his trait. It's like, the move is flashy, and if he hits it, it's a bonus. But nine times out of ten, much like the one-winged angel for Kenny Omega, I'm not saying the two are that, that similar, but it's almost hit and it's the expectation that gives us joy to see the uh the person just roll out um and in this case it was a little bit to ali's detriment as just gunther manhandled him no one thought this was going to end any other way i 100 percent see gunther uh taking over the top spot for longest held intercontinental title it would please me to no end to see him uh hold and break that reign um and unlike other champions that are on this card tonight, he actually has had different opponents and has had interesting matches for about 90% of his reign. We will come to those individuals I am comparing this absolute monster of a champion to, but I am so happy to see Gunther retain. But it's definitely one of Mustafa Ali's 
crowning moments. If only this was Mansoir, though. Huge matchup for Mustafa Ali here. Again, crazy crowd reaction as well. I was a little disappointed that uh, Mansoor, or Mansoir, per se, not, was not on this card, but it is what it is. But Joker, it's like you're reading my mind, Gunther. Crazy, crazy ability to work with a lot of different opponents. And like we saw previously, a Sheamus and a Drew, different style of match. We have Ali, much more of an athletic and agile piece, much like we've seen him face Ricochet, who he won the title with. Ability to work with a lot of different guys, a lot of different styles, still have a compelling matchup, be able to sell, but and look strong is a really great representation for a champion. And to your point, if I'm not mistaken, they said on commentary that Gunther has is behind the Hoggy Talk Man and Macho Man Randy Savage in terms of lengths of reign for the Intercontinental mm -hmm. Championship. So even to be in that echelon. It's fantastic, great defenses, representing that title well, having strong matches with different opponents. Gunther is just killing it right now. That's really all I can say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rumors to be adding another person to the Imperium. Don't really know if it's required. Don't know if uh, we need another person because literally all you need is Gunther right now. Eventually, we'll get round to uh, our other two Imperium friends, maybe winning tag gold once we split the belts. Because, again, most of the belts that are at this event are in one match. Uh, but, you know, there's only a portion of them are up for grabs. But uh, once we manage to deal with that issue, we'll see more belts for the Imperium lads. And, uh, yeah. It's going to be at, uh, at Gunther's pleasure whenever he drops that belt. And uh, I, would, I would love for him to just confidently vacate the title because he can't be beaten. Um, it, would just, it would just be silly. It'd be something silly. It'd be something new. It'd be like, yeah, okay, I'm going to vacate this title because I have just destroyed everyone, you know, all blah, 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 blah. blah. And then, you know, somebody comes out and challenges him and beats him eventually, whatever you want to do. And then he moves on to beat Seth Rollins and become the new heavyweight champion. So it's one of those things that you look at it and you go, this was a super dominant match. Yeah, sure. And that's the trajectory I have for Gunther. But if you look at it, you know, Mustafa Ali uh, just absolutely crushed it, killed it. And we're talking about it during the match as well. It's hard to believe he hasn't held the title. Um, and just going by all the matches we remember, super close calls in a lot of them. And he's he's shown that he's super over, super athletic, super capable, and definitely deserving. Agreed. Great showing by both Mustafa Ali as well as Gunther in this matchup. Gunther just showing out and probably the number two heel on on. Uh, SmackDown, who he was previously, but on Raw, I would have to say either one, number one, or number two. Just being that great heel, being a foil for the baby faces, and let's hopefully see great things and more progression from both of these guys. 
Gotta love Ali getting a chance and great matchup and great showing here. And Gunther, we'll see what's next for him on Raw going forward. So those were our thoughts on Gunther retaining over Mustafa Ali in the WWE Intercontinental Championship match. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts were on Gunther beating Mustafa Ali. Next matchup here, Bianca Belair taking on Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. Hot and quick start of the match, getting some chain wrestling, some mounted punches. Asuka just hitting that drop kick on Bianca doing a handstand. I thought it was a nice touch, but the you can tell they're these women having a smooth matchup for the most part. They've had worked a number of matches between last year as well as this year. So a lot of familiarity and just a lot of comfortability when it comes to an Asuka and a Bianca Belair match. A lot of working comfortable together. Most of the matchup, for the most part, was a back and forth affair. Really, neither woman get into definitive controlling sequence, I'd have to say. But we see the finish of the match. Bianca dodges the mist. And then Asuka gets out of a KOD attempt. Asuka gets Bianca into an armbar, but Bianca counters that into a powerbomb. Asuka then spits some of the mist onto her hand. Then Bianca goes for yet another KOD attempt, but Asuka uses those mist-covered hands to gouge Bianca's eyes, hits some stiff-looking kicks on Bianca, and Asuka gets the pin, defeating Bianca and becoming the new Raw Women's Champion in 15 minutes. Joker first, thoughts on the match? I was sitting back in my chair, kind of not paying attention because I was like, I was even saying this to PT while we were on call. I was like, okay, so Bianca kicks out of this KODs at what? Wait, Asuka pinned her? I was like, John Cena has been beaten? That's my, my nickname for Bianca Belair because, you know, there's like three John Cenas right now. The real one, this one, and then one later on. But John Cena has been defeated. The almighty Bianca Belair, the undefeatable, was beaten. And I, I honestly wasn't expecting it. It's one of those that you look at it and you go, well, Asuka hasn't really had a match since WrestleMania. When she lost to Bianca Belair. When she actually should have won it at that point. Now, clearly, WWE are going for these records. I've said it in previous shows. I don't care for records. End the story when it makes sense to end the story. There's no point in dragging it on just to get a nice round number. If you wanted the nice round number, it would have naturally gotten there because then people wouldn't start just being ambivalent to your superstar, which I have been ambivalent to Bianca Belair for a long period of time. Nothing against her. Her reign has just bored me for the last eight months. Sorry six months maybe but anyway Asuka winning by absolute shock factor was amazing I loved it and it's just so great to see Asuka having a championship and now put her into a program with Eosky go do it yeah quite the interesting 
outcome of this matchup, some folks would be saying it would be a surprise win for Asuka. Maybe everyone was expecting Bianca to retain, much like yourself, you just mentioned that you felt like her reign was never going to end. Not to say that that's a bad thing, but I think it's one of those Bianca has shown. She's great representation. She carries herself amazingly well, just in terms of being in-ring talent as well as doing all this PR outside. And it was one of those where we had mentioned, well, she has faced a lot of the women that are on the roster now, and she's, to be fair, dominated those matches for the most part. That sort of John Cena-esque take a bit of offense, but just, all right, we're just going to pull it out. And really, no one's been shown to be able to defeat her. But interestingly enough, a uh, slight spoiler warning, this was the only title change here on this card so it seems a sort of tradition in a sense to have a title change kind of happen at these Saudi shows but be that as it may I'm not mad at it I think it was one of those Bianca was for some folks getting slightly stale just because of the booking of the women's division she just wasn't given strong storylines or strong opponents to be made to look strong for her to face of having a challenge in a sense. So I'm always a fan of Asuka. You know, I I I will I enjoy me some Bianca Belair, but it was one of those that I think maybe a little change might be good for her. I don't know. What are you thinking? It, it's just one of those things. Like you say she hasn't been given any like strong opponents. Like she has been given former champions to eat for breakfast. And the reason I call her John Cena is because she gives me vibes of John Cena soloing the Nexus. Every single time she walks into a ring, she is 100% confident. She's fantastic. She is the roughest, the toughest, the strongest, the best. She is the EST of WWE. I love her, and she is absolute star. But her booking's terrible, and it's not her fault. I have said this about other superstars across both companies, AEW and WWE. The booking has to be there for me. It's just not enough just to have a really good superstar because... I, I'm just not there. I'm not invested. And for me, the real straw that broke the camel's back was the story with damage control. And whenever she had to have, uh, we had to have Asuka, you know, help and Alexa Bliss help only for her to solo damage control anyway. Whenever they came in and she double KOD'd them during her match with, with uh, Bailey, I was like, okay, cool. It's done. What's the point in having, you know, any factions when Bianca Belair just John Cena's them? It's pointless. And it has been so boring to see since then. In fact, maybe a wee bit before then. So that's why I'm absolutely loving the fact that we have Asuka who returned earlier on the year at uh, Royal Rumble. Love to see the fact that um, she is coming back into a little bit of prominence. It maybe building properly again because it felt like for a while even after she returned they were maybe doing it a little bit dirty um so i like it i like the way that that's going and like you said with bianca Belair, maybe go a different direction i think for bianca there there could be the forced heel turn uh, as you know people might have might try and fabricate that this is because nobody likes bianca Belair. we're all happy 
that Bianca Belair is, is, and she might do a bit of forced heel turn for something a bit different because there's very little she can do, in my personal opinion, as a straight-laced babyface currently where she is. I feel she needs to go against Rhea because that's a match I want to see. Mommy versus Bianca would be hella good, but we're not going to see that. So that's the only reason I'm thinking maybe a little bit of a forced tail turn, maybe a little bit of stupidity there, but uh, it's something different. It's something interesting for Bianca to sink her teeth into, at least until we can sort of mash together the Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, maybe through a money in the bank win, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, those are all fair points. Bianca just going through damage control. It was one of those for the latter portion since SummerSlam to, geez, War Games or almost even till Royal Rumble. She was dominating damage control. Multiple matches against the likes of Bayley as well. Multiple pay-per-view matches against Bayley. Some matches against EO as well. And it was always, there was never a doubt in anyone's mind. And it has to do just with the booking. Again, Bianca's fantastic in the ring. She's got great athleticism. She she can carry a championship very, very well. Just sort of the, the booking team kind of putting her in these odd positions. And so, and then into WrestleMania season with Asuka. It was one of those, again, just the booking team kind of didn't make it feel as special as it could have been. Because, again, great athletes in Bianca, great athlete in Asuka. But we have the title change here. Yeah, I think it's one of those we can keep we can keep Bianca going along, feel strong. I would definitely like to see her face that Rhea Ripley. I don't know when that sort of takes place. We can definitely do that. Uh, she'll probably most likely have a match against Asuka to try to uh, to get the title back. So there's definitely legs in Bianca switching gears slightly to try to get her championship back. So I'm curious to kind of see where they go with this. There's a number of different avenues that they can go with Bianca post night of champion. So we'll kind of see how that plays out. But those were our thoughts on Oscar winning raw championship from Bianca Belair. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts were on Asuka defeating Bianca Belair and becoming the new champion. All right. From one set of tough women to another set of tough women here, we have the Rhea Ripley versus Natalia match for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. This should be an interesting because I'm probably actually going to recap the entire thing in just a moment. Starting off with a distraction from Dom Dom himself to Natalia. Rhea just throwing hands and getting Natty on the outside into the announce table, into the ring steps. And then literally back in the ring, hits a riptide on Natty. And Rhea Ripley retains the SmackDown Women's Championship in 1 minute 10 seconds. I don't know, PJ. I think maybe your description was longer than the match. My, I might, might be a couple of seconds out there, but it was such a short, brutal affair. Like, okay, what, what? I think this was an interesting, for the fact that it was so short. 
Strong women in Talia, strong women in Rhea, but we chose to have Rhea just have a very dominant showing against Natalia. Natalia got absolutely no offense in. On her birthday, this was Natalia's birthday, and she got done in just over a minute on a premium live event. Like, happy birthday, Natty. <laughs> Oof. Quite the surprise squash match. A lot of folks maybe wouldn't have thought this. At least have some back and forth kind of contested match, but we just literally went with a minute and change, just re-dominating the entrance. The entrances, rather, the entrances themselves were longer than the match in in its entirety. So, you know, with the long sort of grandioso stage and the ramp that they have, but. Yeah, taking it back a little bit because again of the of the squash match, but Rhea just showing out, and I'm wondering because Natalia can't really ask for a rematch. Maybe I don't know. Do we see Natalia trying to go for another match, or do we see Rhea just facing another challenger? I think we take this time to build up to an actual challenger. I think Natty was a sort of throwaway from about a week ago. Um just sort of trying to stand up for people and all this here and like that's fair i would like to see a build-up of a new uh of a new person to come in and and sort of deal you know heavy air quotes with uh with Rhea ripley only to realize they can't hang with mommy so it's it's one of those that um i don't want them to fall down the same route of bianca belair i don't want them to turn Rhea ripley into the next john cena 4.0 we're about to talk about uh, John Cena 3.0 in a second. Um, but I don't want Rhea Ripley to turn into that one one person who's going to dominate entire factions by herself. Um, I know everybody wants to see uh, her fold up all of the men and, and just beat all of them. It's like Personally, I don't want to see her destroy full factions by herself. Yes, in a one-on-one match, I want to see... Rhea Ripley versus Bobby Lashley. I think that would be hecka good. Like, I think that would, like, surprise. But anyway, um, it's just one of those things that we have to be careful with how we do this. Rhea Ripley is super, super, super over. Um, and, you know, Dom Dom is super, super, super over as well for a completely different reason. I'm <laughs> getting all the booze. So just having her into a good feud for the run-up to Money in the Bank. I'd like to see her... I'd like to see her um, defend at Money in the Bank, only for somebody who wins the women's to try and cash in on her and maybe fail. Um, I think that might be funny. But... Uh, and then we could start like a three a three way sort of rivalry with the person she beat and the person who cashed in on her. Um, but yeah, it, it's just we have to be really careful with how we book that. And I don't think Natalia is a big enough threat for for excuse me for um for Rhea to be any longer than a minute and ten seconds. Yeah, in fairness, the bill this was sort of thrown together within the last week, maybe week and a half or so before the show. Tally comes in to defend, I forget who it was that Rhea was beaten down post-match, but yeah, it was one of those where just, okay, well, now I want to challenge you, and 
excuse me, we saw the just elements and the outcome of that. Uh, let me throw it over to you real quick. Do you think there's anybody maybe in particular that you could think might be able to face her next? Rhea, that is? Honestly, no one is coming to mind that's not currently in a fight somewhere else. I would personally, personally, like to see her against Sheena Baszler. Uh, I think that would be really fun. I would like to see her against Ronda Rousey. Uh, to throw uh, Raquel Rodriguez at her would also be good. Um, I'm sick of big back Rodriguez, so if you just have her come out to the ring and throw down Maria Ripley, it would just it would do wonders for me loving Raquel Rodriguez again because I just you know I'm sorry, but the lighting is just not there. She's doing the pose, and it's just okay, cool. You can do the pose. Um, so yeah, like those are the first three that come to mind, but they're already sort of in the tag division. And they all seem to be cemented there for the time being. Um, everybody else, I feel, is squash territory. And, um, yeah, not really worth the time or effort for now. Fair play. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of women sort of in that tag team scene. And you mentioned that Ronda and Shane are sort of a team now, so... I wouldn't be mad with a Shayna and Rhea kind of running it back from a couple of years ago. A Rodriguez uh, versus Rhea wouldn't be too bad either. So, I mean, we'll kind of see. I'm open to it. But, yeah, I think it's one of those where we want to use Rhea. She's very popular, obviously. She's over with the fans. Can show that she can throw down in the ring and be powerful. I don't know if it's time yet for the intergender stuff. I don't know if that's even something they're considering. Or, but let's, uh, as long as they can have a decent enough story where a challenger can make you feel like there's even a sliver of doubt beating Rhea, then it'll make it worth it. So let's figure out Rhea's next opponent if we can. Yeah, I made a, made a face whenever you're talking about the intergender stuff. I just don't think that's WWE's kind of purview, and I don't think it'll ever happen. We can always fantasy book it in our in our you know sweet little minds but um unfortunately i don't think we'll get to see mommy folding rock lesnar up like a pretzel one can dream but with that those were our thoughts on rhea ripley defeating natalia in a little over a minute let us know down in the comment section below on youtube hit us up on twitter instagram and let us know what your thoughts were on this match and maybe who rhea should face next all right next matchup here Second of three main events, Cody Rhodes taking on Brock Lesnar. Interestingly, a slow start to the match, Cody being a little bit cautious. We see Cody jumping out of the ring, Brock chasing him. Cody ends up WCWing Brock, of course, and giving the boots to him as he tries to get back in the ring. But Brock takes over right away with an overhead suplex, and here we go. Cody ends up realizing that he can use the cast on his left hand to hit Brock with, and he staggers Brock using some punches and then actually lands double axe handle off the top rope. Nice little throwback there. And Cody given, rather, getting quite a bit of offense on Brock Lesnar, so it was good to see that it wasn't entirely one-sided for either man. So you want to see it a bit competitive. Cody hitting two crossroads, 
Tries for a third one, but Brock counters into a Kimura lock. Cody tries to counter a couple of times, but Brock is having nothing of it. Cody guts out the Kimura and almost passes out, but eventually makes it to the ropes for the rope break. And I made an extra special note here that Cody is in the Kimura lock for literal minutes and lasts longer in a Kimura than anyone has ever lasted in mixed martial arts history. <laughs> You're probably not wrong. We didn't time it because we didn't think it was going to be a thing, but maybe we should go back and find out just for, you know, whatever records. Um, we made it, we put out a short last week based off of uh, last week's show um, about how you just don't 3-0 Brock Lesnar. You don't, you don't go up 2-0 over Brock Lesnar. Um, you're obviously going to have to get through, um, get through the series here. But whenever Cody realized he could use that cast, even though I'm a huge Cody fan, I started to panic. I thought, oh no, we, we've given him a weapon. Now he's just, now he's super white face, white meat baby face. He's, he's possibly John Cena 4.0. What's no, we can't do that. And then he lost. I was like, okay, thank you. And breathe. And breathe. But he did pass out. Like, we knew that was the style. Cody was never going to tap out. He's going to pass out before he taps out. He is that one guy um, that just super white meat baby face. Whenever you want to, you know, he's the super clean, squeaky guy. It's just, it always has to be um, the superhero that he portrays um and I, I love i love him i think he's just good fun i think i said to you whenever we were watching it i hate a lot of babyface characters because it's not believable or it's not good whenever they try to be this squeaky clean guy i prefer them to be a little bit grittier if it suits their character this cody rhodes he is just through and through perfection when it comes to being a good guy and I want to, I want to see that eventual turn, but somewhere way down the line. Like I think it has to happen, and I think he knows it has to happen. You get so squeaky clean, you're suddenly just Homelander, and you just become this really evil, you know, sort of I'm gonna absolutely destroy everybody character. So I, I, I really panicked, but then you know, yeah, he just passed out, and I went, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Good job, Cody. Didn't yeah, very much so with Cody being the very popular, hugely popular with the live crowds. And we saw in Saudi Arabia during his entrance get the huge woes happened twice. Great reception, a lot of folks behind him. But yeah, very much for the young kids. Like he is very much a superhero like figure. And once again, much like a super baby face, like a Bianca Belair, carries themselves very well competent in the ring and help be a sort of role model if you will but yeah it's one of those that had that little thing we, i was joking when we were watching it that cody was uh codying up a couple of times during the match to try to regain his stamina meter to try to be able to get his signatures and his finishers but yeah once he got to your point once he got out of that kimura lock he tries to go for a third f5 but uh, excuse me third crossroads but he gets f5 for two because he's a superhero, because he has to kick out. 
And then uh, he ends up getting in the Kimura lock again, but like you said, ends up being passed out. So Rock wins by a referee stoppage. The superhero did not give up. He did not concede. He passed out due to the pain. The referee had to stop it because the superhero that Cody is would never give up, never surrender. All the hustle, loyalty, and respect that he has for his crowd and his fans and his opponent with his neon colors and everything like that, he would never do that. So, Oh, excuse me, who am I talking about again? I forgot. No, that's not John Cena 4.0. Calm down, wrong guy. Either way, referee stoppage, Cody in the Kimura. So Brock gets that win back one and one. We were thinking that, again, much like the short that you mentioned that we put out, you're not going to go 2 or even 3-0 on a Brock Lesnar. So Cody, excuse me, Brock gets that win back, 1-1. One and one, Probably, most likely going to try to get that rubber match, the third match at Money in the Bank. It's looking like we're leading towards that. Be a great match for the show. Great match for the London crowd. I could definitely see that as a strong possibility that Cody wants to get his revenge on Brock. So what do you think? You feel like we're going towards that angle? Yeah, I feel like that's where we're going. It keeps Cody out of the Money in the Bank ladder match, which I think that while it was their immediate idea last time before the the pectoral issue, um, that he was going to have that, that briefcase. This time, we need to keep him away from it. Don't give it to him right now. Uh, make him just kind of work himself back up. It gives him that sort of drive to work back up and become uh, a contender somewhere else down the line. Um, we, were, we were talking about how it would be fun uh, if Kayfabe would just somehow magically retain every piece of knowledge from AEW, however, whenever we mentioned how the the great eradicator Cody Rhodes from America land defeated uh, Anthony Agogo and all of Britain back in uh, back in AEW. Uh, I would love if for some reason the British crowds just completely turned on Cody. This is coming from a Cody fan. I just booed him out of the building because he defeated all of Britain. And we rallied behind Brock Lesnar, who is the ultimate, you know, American cowboy guy. But still, he didn't beat Britain like, uh, you know, <laughs> like Cody clearly did when he defeated that man, Anthony Agogo. Uh, so it, it would just be funny to me if we could keep that little bit of kayfabe and we, we did this at, uh, at Money in the Bank. Obviously, it's a bit of a stupid thing. Don't take me too seriously, please. But um, yeah, it, it's it's one of those moments that I can't wait to see this match at, uh, at, uh, rehashed and finished. Um, but I definitely see this going the way of maybe a no-holds-barred match, um, possibly a street fight kind of thing, a cage match. Anything that will negate rules that will give Cody an edge. Um, we may even see a sledgehammer. Who knows? Uh, it might be funny enough to do that now. But yeah, it, it's definitely something that I see happening once again. And uh, I'm not going to be too pissed at it. Yeah, we mentioned it while we were 
watching the show itself, the, the two notions of the first one being in wrestling, how Cody defeated Britain and sort of squashed Anthony Gogo and had that very impassioned promo that he was pro-America and overcoming all the, offices, all the obstacles and things of such. So I do not think it's going to happen, but I would smirk a little bit if some of the Britain fans booed him because he tried to usurp the uh, the British Empire, if you will. I would pop huge. I would be turncoat. I'd hate Cody Rhodes for that one day only if people said that they were going to do that just for revenge yeah. for Anthony Agogo and all of Britain. Just I would pop. Usually funny, but most likely not going to happen. And then oh, yeah. this whole thing of, of Cody being hurt. And I mentioned it before, like it reminded me of it's a rehashing, a retelling of Dusty. Dusty being taken out and his leg being broken by the horseman all the way years back and a little bit different side of storytelling or almost kind of an homage to that. And yeah, it's once again, it's the super, you know, baby face hero having an injury, overcoming even more odds to show that he is a huge competitor. He's tough, you know, it, it interplays the him in hell in a cell fighting with that torn peck here with a quote-unquote broken arm having to face Brock. So it's very much so gives credence for Cody to come back and want a, you know, reasonable, fair fight, if you will, against Brock. So a lot of elements going on, but to be fair, fun match. I think these guys gave each other a lot of offense. It wasn't a squash. Like I mentioned, Brock gave Cody a lot of offense, and the story was told there. Once again, Cody didn't give up. Referee stopped the match, and we'll see how this plays out going forward on Raw as well as into the next pay-per-view and Money in the Bank, so we shall see. But those were our thoughts on the Cody and Brock matchup. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what your thoughts were on the superhero that is Cody Rhodes ultimately not being able to slay the monster that is Brock Lesnar. Final matchup here on the card. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn taking on Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship. Starting off, huge, huge pops for both teams. Lots of strong reception for both the Bloodline team as well as the Sami and KO team. Sami gets on the mic and starts speaking to the crowd and he gets cheered like crazy so that's phenomenal to see but early on in the match we get a little bit of a re rehash or rerun if you will of montreal with sammy and roman standing in the ring huge crowd response the roman wonderful heel and character work tags to solo to cut that right off and not give the crowd what they want and then the uh, sort of first half of the match, Sammy's taken a, a good amount of the offense from Solo and Roman. You get a little brief spot of hope here or there, but mostly dominated. And we get a slight bit of a burst of energy from Owens getting on a hot tag and running wild on Roman. He actually gets a pop-up powerbomb for a two and then a frog splash for a two count, but of course that's not going to happen. And a nice little sequence of Roman hitting a Superman punch. Only gets a two on Owens, and then KO blocks a spear with a kick into a stunner. 
Roman off the ropes and into a spear, which is actually a very slick spot. So sort of the first half of the match. What were your thoughts on kind of that portion? I was still bummed that Cody lost. I'm going to lie. I was, I was still down in the dumps. I wasn't paying attention to this at all. There's definitely, for me personally, PT, and I don't know about you, I am checked out of John Cena 3.0's reign. That is who John Cena is these days. He's Roman Reigns. He does not win clean. And he, there's, it's not that he doesn't win clean. I don't want you to get this twisted, okay? I don't care that he's a heel. He's just not a very good heel anymore. The people who are making this are Jimmy and Jay right now. Okay? The people who made this interesting for myself and whenever we were doing our quick hits and stuff months and months and months ago, they were about the interactions with Sammy and Jay and Jimmy. And that's it. Because they were the interesting ones. Roman Reigns, to me, is not interesting. But everybody knew what was going to happen. He was going to play that super bad guy. Of course he is. And he, there's going to be a ref bump. It's a Roman Reigns match. Of course there's a ref bump. He's going to dodge his opponents. It's a Roman Reigns match. Of course he's going to do that. There's going to be some sort of shenanigans. Well, there was. We'll get to it. But like this first half of the match was pretty cookie cutter as Roman Reigns matches go. He didn't really do an awful lot. He in at the opportune times, got out when it suited him. And it was by the book, standard fare took about 10 minutes too long. Just for me. I think it's one of those observations that most folks, if you're a huge, huge Roman fan, or if you're possibly disenfranchised by his sort of more recent work bear in mind the first like years or maybe year and a half to two years of the of the run was decent but a lot of folks can you talk use the term cookie cutter and a lot of it is okay sort of back and forth gives a little bit dominates for most of it a lot of times there's a ref bump there'll be interference some shenanigans he comes back wins and it's not always the clean win. So there's a little bit of a formula that we have with Roman and the way his matches go. Folks that enjoy his work and folks main uh, who are detractors can say that's a fair observation. Whether you're going to critique that or criticize it is another point. But yeah, it's one of those where I would say kind of standard fair and we eventually see those things happen. So... Here we get into the, the hotness and the interesting portion of it. Part that I paid attention to this time. Here we go. So we woke up the crowd with, after Roman breaking up a pin, after Sammy hit a haluva kick on Solo Sokoa, Roman accidentally spears the ref. So we get that ref bump indeed. Sammy with a Superman punch on Roman, and then one from Roman onto Sammy. We get a spear from KO to Roman. KO tries to put Roman through an announce table, but the Usos come out of the crowd and attack KO and Sammy. Back in the ring, Usos accidentally super kick solo. And then Roman comes in and confronts the Usos in the ring. Roman pie faces Jimmy, and he goes over to Jay and call tries to who tries to calm things down. But Roman Pie faces Jay twice. But out of nowhere, 
Jimmy super kicks Roman, and the crowd goes ballistic. Jay is conflicted, much like the shades of Royal Rumble. And Jimmy tells Jay, I'm doing what you should have done a while ago. And then he super kicks Roman yet again. Jimmy screams at Jay, I'm your brother. It's me and you now. And the finish of the match sees KO hits a stunner on Solo into a Luva kick. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens retain the Undisputed Tag Team Championship in 26 minutes, 30 seconds. Ooh, boy. Did a lot of folks see that coming? We figured that there would be interference in this matchup. But Joker, did you ever think that the Usos would be the sort of fulcrum or that turning point in this match? If you've been watching this last couple of weeks on Raw and SmackDown, 100% yes. You could tell that the way Roman was treating him the way Roman was treating Jimmy specifically was getting to Jimmy. And I'll throw this back to the, the, the fact that we had, you know, quick hits from months ago uh, of me calling out the fact that Jay should have beaten uh, Roman back at Hell in the Cell back during the pandemic era. But Jimmy was used as that bargaining chip to get him to submit to get him to come to heel for Roman because he wasn't going to quit until Jimmy was under the knife until Jimmy was about to get hit. And that's when Jay relented and he listens to the tribal chief. Now, last night's SmackDown Friday, that's this is we're recording on a Saturday, uh, showed that, you know, day one, hundred percent, the heart of the table, not the head, the heart, the guys with the most passion, Jimmy is the tribal chief. That's what he thinks. He thinks that him and his brother, they are the tribal chief when it comes to how the family is cared for. Because that's Jay's story. Jay wants to protect his family, even from itself, which is why we saw it splinter a little bit with Jay doing the exact same thing when Sammy, his former brother, kind of you know smacked roman with a chair so like we have all of this information coming in now jimmy saying it's like you're doing this we should have done ages ago it's like yeah 100 percent. i love that little callback gives them the super kick to the face love to see it i personally would have popped even harder if it had have been jay if it had have been jay and this this overcome of emo- with emotion and almost get my words out just thinking about it because it just it was such a fun little segment just to just to kick roman in the face and scream him down that you don't touch his family you don't do that to his family and then for them to watch as you know sammy and ko do what they have to do like we are done you just were right 100 we don't like you but you were right. And then they just, you know, I was calling for the 1D. I was calling them to 1D him into the ground. I wanted them to just pick him up and put him in the ground and have done with it. It would have made me so happy to see that, PT. I can't tell you how much I wanted it. 
I think I was swearing at PT whenever I was like, just put him in the effing grind <laughs> whenever we were on our call. So yeah, I, I loved this. I thought it was fantastic. I, you know, didn't see that it would all be Jimmy and Jay would act how he did, but um, we definitely knew that it was going to be the Usos. I'm happy that we are finally getting to the end of the bloodline. Personally, myself, and maybe some other people would have been happier that this happened with the uh, loss of the title titles um, back at WrestleMania, because that's when the story was coming to a crescendo and has fallen flat ever since. Uh, so, yeah, beggars can't be choosers. We have the thousand days now. It's time for Roman. <clears throat> it's time for roaming. I can almost get it out. It's time for Roman to walk off into the sunset and drop these belts. This is certainly this here, this catalyst moment, as well as the lead up in, I would say, the last two weeks or so, has revitalized a bloodline storyline. I think the crescendo with the Sammy's portion, at least, of course, curtailed at WrestleMania. It felt like, because obviously Roman is off TV, that they tried to sort of keep it on life support a little bit with continuing the Uso and the Sammy slash KO thing in the in the weeks, and then even had that six-man at the previous pay-per-view, so at Backlash, so it felt like, all right, this is interesting. But yeah, once we kind of finally had that piece of, of Roman kind of the, the recognizing and then really, you hit it right on the head. It's the Usos, man. Because Roman, all power to you, my good sir. You've earned your part-time status. You don't have to show up for weeks and potentially months on end, but the Usos have been doing all the legwork. If you think back to April of last year, sort of when this Sammy slash Bloodline portion of the overall arching story started, on through the latter portions of 2022 and then of course into the early portions of 2023 use those week in week out matches character work little moments interactions they've been the meat and potatoes they've been the heart they've been the soul they've been the portion that folks have been garnering here with a little bit of roman sprinkled in for sort of that salt and pepper, but it's been the Usos. I don't think a lot of folks can argue that. But we get here, like you mentioned, Jay. Jay being the one who, for better or worse, whether he's with you or against you, has always tried to do what's best for the family. Whether that's to hold or rein in Jimmy a little bit, or try to protect him, or get hot-headed over sort of an interloper that is a Sammy. He's always tried to look out for the family. and He had these conflicted moments, again at Royal Rumble, and then here with the shades of, of that moment with Jimmy. He's always tried to look out and try to do what's best for the family as a whole, but man, things are coming to a head here with the Usos. Oh, lots of tension. So the next portion we're going to see is the celebration of the thousand day reign on this coming week's episode of smackdown how will things play out obviously with roman's relationship with the usos bear in mind that the usos accidentally super kicked solo 
So there's been a little subtle tension off and on as well. So I feel like within the last two weeks slash right now with this pay-per-view moment is, is piqued my interest yet again, because it's fallen off a little bit, my particular interest in the bloodline, but I feel like we're sinking our teeth into a little bit of what the story comes into it. So I would like to see where this goes. Yeah, I'd like to see where it goes to um, my immediate sort of let's just go hop from point to point to point kind of thing sees it as Roman sends a message to Jimmy, puts him down, gives him a title shot, puts him down immediately. Uh, we have Jay try to help only for him to get put down by Solo. Jay and Solo have a back and forth. Uh, Jimmy comes back, helps Jay defeat Solo. And then Jay takes on Roman, and then Jay is the one to put down Roman, and we have main event Jay Uso. It's a very cut and dry, short, sweet, to the point kind of. Let's just get from point to point to point. Obviously, there's an awful lot in there. That's how I see the end of John Cena 3.0. And nothing would make me happier than to have this end how it started. We did say that back in January, I believe, that this all started with. The fact that uh, Jimmy was used to force Jay to become the right-hand man, to become that sergeant at arms, as you called him, um, to become main event Jay Uso because he didn't like what he was seeing in his cousin. And I love though that little beginning to this. I want to get back to that and turn it straight into this family matter. Now, you know. I don't know how they're going to go on with this Roman Reigns stuff, but I know that I'm going to be disappointed because it's going to take us months to get there. This is Roman's first proper match since WrestleMania? I want to say? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, this would be his first. Yeah, this would, yeah to be fair. He had the match with Cody and then, yeah. Because the Usos had the match with Solo. Yeah, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, correct me in the comments or let us know. But for sure, this is his real first proper match since Mania. Yeah, so almost eight weeks since Mania. And this is why I was a little bit annoyed with Roman. It's like a couple, only like two weeks ago, he's like, oh, you thought we were just going to forget that you lost at Mania? It's like, bro, you forgot you had a job for six weeks. You come back and you're casting up Mania? We're almost at the next pay-per-view. In fact, we just had one and you're talking about Mania Backlash was last week. What did you think was going to happen? Everybody was just going to go, oh, where's the, where's, the, we'll do Poochie. It's like, oh, where's the Tribal Chief? It's like, oh, the Tribal Chief is not here. It's like, I think we should wait for the Tribal Chief to be on screen so that we can do some stuff. It's like, no, Poochie. Go away. Roman Reigns has go away Poochie heat right now just because he's just so infuriating. You gotta love the Poochie Reigns for those that know, you know. <sighs> exactly. That is old. That is an old reference. And I am so happy it's being just dragged up again. Because previously that wasn't his fault that he had Poochie Reigns. This is entirely his fault. The writer's fault, let's say. But come on. In two months, this is his first, you know, first match. Sure. And we were we were wondering who was going to take the pin. A little bit disappointed that it was Solo. I would have liked for it to have been Roman. 
and I would have loved for it to have been Sammy who pinned him. Would have been sweeter. It's one of those half and halves. Roman lost a match, but he didn't submit slash get the pin ball. So it's like, all right, well, we can kind of save face. Oh, you know, uh, solo. I didn't lose solo loss type of thing. So but then, you know, you have solo being the one who, even though it's with chicanery and shenanigans, there was a little bit of peace. So you can save face there. So it's not clean, if you will. But yeah, lots of moving parts in this again. There, do you circle back to the original? Is it Jay and Roman? Is there, and obviously there's going to be a Jimmy and Roman conflict at some point. What's the end goal? Obviously, it's going to take a bit of time, but do we at least forget? Does, does Cody still have some unfinished business with Roman? So, a lot of different avenues that we can potentially go down that we want to see a conclusion to a story. It's the nomenclature we've been talking in the last couple months. We want to finish the story. Is it the bloodline portion of the story? Is it the Cody's story with Roman? Is it Roman with Jimmy? Is it Roman with Jay? Solo? What are we thinking with that? So a lot of things. A lot of avenues we can go down. A lot of stories we could potentially tell. A lot of endings. Much like an R.L. Stein, choose your own adventure. We want to see the multiple choice outcomes. Some of us want all of them. But in the storyline, in kayfabe, you can really only have one outcome. So I have a lot of choices, but we'll beg to be seen which one we will get in the coming months. Joker, if you had to pick one sort of off the top of your head to actually play out in storyline, which one would you lean towards? My quick and dirty little explanation where Jay becomes the champion. Like, just do it. It would be so sweet to see. Um, you know, there'd be there'd be a lot of uh, a lot of interwoven love in there between. You know, you're finally getting to see Jay just doing what was right for his family, and you know, you would give him and Roman this big, absolute mega storyline that uh would just put roman on the shelf um it would have solo kind of come back around his brothers it just, it just seems to me that in order to tie this up in a bow because we didn't go with sammy because we didn't go with cody the only person that it makes sense for me is to finish the story with jay put an end to it fix the family and then have Roman go away and in eight months come back and save Jay and Jimmy from Imperium and have a huge reaction. Lots of choices to be made. If that one comes to fruition, I wouldn't be mad. But lots of choices that we could go with. Lots of streets, lots of Different storylines to be resolved, but I'd be okay with that one. But at the end of the day, we see Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens retaining over Roman Reigns and Solo Sokoa. Where we go from here, we will have to see and find out. But those were our thoughts on the Undisputed Tag Team Championship match. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube. Or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts are on Sammy and KO retaining 
over Roman reigns, and so was Sokoa. All right, my man. Quite the interesting show. Lots of things going on. Title change, surprise title change, you would say, but, and a quote-unquote shocking betrayal. But a lot of things came to a head, but then also a lot of different stories have yet to begin slash continue. So I thought it was a pretty okay show overall. Yeah, definitely one of those that you look at the um, at the Saudi stuff. It, it in terms of continuity, usually they are they're not canon to use that term. Uh, any any Saudi show has not really been canon. It's always been sort of out there, and very rarely will we have a a title change. Um, normally, you know, back in couple of years ago actually before pandemic it was always the place for how much is your retirement worth to you and we would have you know some people come back uh, out of retirement but now we've had a couple of really good matches uh the ask of bianca belair match uh definitely highlight of my night because ask is the new raw women's champion on on but on smackdown whatever way that's going to work um and uh yeah just seeing uh seth win the new heavyweight title uh was a lot of fun and the outcome of several of the ma other matches definitely up there in terms of very good well put together um pay-per-view and it's surprised yeah all in all solid pay-per-view i'd have to say and some surprises some turns and new champions yeah, i thought agreed lots of things happy for seth uh you know uh Bianca and Rhea's match was very, very, excuse me, Bianca and Asuka's match was just fun and engaging and just strong. And the Rhea match was a bit of a surprise. That was on my mind. And all the shenanigans that's going to outcome with the Bloodline things going forward. So, yeah, decent, decent fun match. This one seems to be in canon, although, with a lot of the what's happening based on the results. So, We'll definitely probably see this referenced as well in video packages when we get the eventual matchups. But yeah, I thought it was uh, I thought it was solid all around. So if you also enjoyed the match, let us know down in the comment section what your favorite match from Night of Champions was. But with that, we're gonna wander on out of here. So for TF Joker, I'm just so happy that Jimmy kicked Roman in the face. And for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.